for those that don't know me, my name is Sarah Jane, and uh, it really is a pleasure to be with you on this very warm evening. So before we start, let, um, let me pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and Lord, would you open our ears so that we might hear you, and would you open our hearts fully to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I wonder how many of you have read Revelation, or whether you're just starting. Um, but anyway, we're hoping that um, doing these series is really going to um, help us just have that desire um, to have the confidence to read this book and to deepen our knowledge and love of Jesus as a result. Because uh, Genesis is the last chapter in a very long book. So Genesis describes evil entering into the world and then Revelation is concerned with the destruction of sin. So with all the uncertainty of climate change and economic hardship and terrible war, I mean, it is a valid question to ask, isn't it? Will it be all right in the end? So what we can say is the cross is the central event in Revelation and in human history. So we are a people formed by the cross. We worship Jesus because of the sacrificial love he showed for us by dying in our place on the cross. And the implications of the cross is going to lead to cosmic transformation. Now that is worth reading about. So if we just have our first slide, please. I'm just doing the So this sermon is about the, um, the seven churches um, of um, modern-day Turkey. You can see them there. We're then we're going to look a bit closer at Philadelphia and then Laodicea. So we're probably a bit more comfortable with these chapters, the first three chapters, because they, they appear a bit more similar to pastoral letters in the New Testament. So there's no weird beasts or dragons yet. But the difference here is that they're written by John, who is asked to be a scribe for the resurrected and glorified Jesus. Yes, he really is alive and reigning in heaven but also on earth, and he is in our neighborhood. So each letter starts with a title or description of Jesus in his glorified splendor, which we're going to look at next week. But the letters demonstrate how intimately Jesus knows his people, their history, their experiences, what they're battling against, and what they're tempted by. Each letter is peppered by analogies that each church would particularly resonate with. So Jesus reveals to them how they're getting on, what is good and needs to continue, but where they've been distracted and need to get back on track. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So by way of illustration, if Jesus was writing to Christ's church, Maybe he'd mention the prison. You think you're free of your sins, but in fact, you're still imprisoned by those old ungodly habits. He may mention the university and the Winchester Bible at the cathedral. You may be well educated, but it's more important to read my words and act upon them. 
He might say, get on your bikes with bespoke biking and live sustainable lives. Come and drink coffee with me and get to know my plans. So we'd feel, oh, Jesus is really speaking to us. And these, uh, these letters are written out for all the churches to see, so there's no hiding away of their, their warts and their inconsistencies. Every church is God's church. And Jesus wants to ask all, are you listening to my spirit? Where is your heart? Are you walking with me? Or are you going another way? So let's take a look at the letter of, uh, to Philadelphia. This next slide, please. So we can't do verse by verse, so I'm just picking out um, just a bit. So in this letter, there's this really intimate connection and much encouragement for this beleaguered community of faith. And we learn that Jesus holds the keys to a door that only he has the authority to shut and open. This is an open door, the door of salvation that no one can shut, and only Jesus holds the key. Jesus alone has opened the door of heaven because he alone is worthy. The open door is an invitation to life in the kingdom of God, and we're invited to walk through the door into the presence of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God as no one can shut that door except Jesus. And this church had been inviting their neighbors to walk through that open door by faith in Jesus. But the Jews there, they were persecuting Christians because they thought they had the true religion and Jesus was not the Jewish Messiah. So the Jews wanted them to deny Jesus and know God through observing the old Jewish customs. But this, this church in Philadelphia is committed to faithful, godly living and patient endurance. Jesus is faithfully committed to them, so he encourages them to keep what they have, keep on with their faith, and not be overwhelmed by opposition. Keep your heart with me, because mine is with you, Jesus says. Just thinking about persecution today, in Islamic, Hindu, or communist countries, some Christian communities are weak and powerless, and authorities' neighbors can be really hostile in some Islamic countries, to convert to Christianity brings shame on the rest of the family. And when they find out, found out, usually because the Christian wants to witness about their newfound faith, they're pressurized to deny the name of Jesus and return to their old faith. And women are especially vulnerable as they can be killed by their family or just chucked out of their homes with no welfare provision. Or they might be forced into marriage just to keep them under control. And although there might be freedom of religion guaranteed by law in various countries, it's said that only 21% of the global population are free of religious restrictions. So that means a whopping 79% of people have some restrictions placed on their freedom to choose and express their beliefs. 
So that's why we as a church support Open Doors, which is a charity that seeks to support persecuted Christians globally. So please remember your global family in your prayers. But you might be, you might be an, a, a Christian in a non-Christian environment. And so that is really, it's really hard, isn't it, to uh, not deny Jesus um, and just to keep on persevering. But Jesus is with us. His heart is with us. So chapter, chapter 3, verse 8, acknowledges that Christians have little strength. But spiritual strength is based on the hope and belief that the door into God's presence has been opened and no one can shut it. So it's a place of peace and security and salvation. And notice too that Jesus himself is going to look after them. They don't have to look within for these untapped resources. So there's a huge interest in our society now, you know, people giving motivational talks like the Iceman Wim Hof. He says, the cold is the doorway to your soul. And if you use the power of your mind, anything is possible. I mean, it's bunkum, isn't it? But that's not the message here. We don't rely on our own resources. We need to rely on Jesus. Jesus himself is going to vindicate his people. He is the God of provision and providence. And I don't know if you've heard that uh, Jesse and Aggie Rowe have just been cleared to go to Mongolia in the summer. So that is provision and um, providence. So they are going to witness to the Mongolians about the open door um, into heaven that is ready, open for them, which is wonderful news. And I think as a church, we're going to support them. And then just for, for us here, are we talking to um, our friends and family about Jesus? Because after the shaking up of so many things, it seems that now is a good opportunity to bring faith into conversations. Don't if you remember, you know, my king, the, thy, not mine, thy kingdom come. <laughs> the commitment to pray for five people um, and uh, for your family members, friends, and other not yet Christians. And if we don't know many not yet Christians, well, pray about making some new friends. So, Listen to people's stories, ask them what they believe, offer to pray for them and see what the response is and if you get a positive response. I was just um, sitting next to someone who just, we were just talking about current events and he just out of the blue said, oh, there must be something going on in the heavens. Well, that was a great opportunity. But anyway, bring to God your little strength and see, see what happens. So we're just going to move on to the letter of Laodicea. Okay, so this letter is more challenging in tone. So Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God is active and alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it shows us that nothing is hidden from God. And we're accountable to Jesus, the faithful and true witness of God's truth. 
So Laodicea was a prosperous trading city with good communication routes, had been subject to devastating earthquakes, but wealthy enough to rebuild without a loan from um, the Roman Empire. And it was south of the ancient city of Heropolis, anyway, it's now Pamukkale, with its white terraces, which is this um, slide here, and it has this calcium carbonate deposit from its thermal springs. And then Colossae, which is in the east, had cold water springs. So Laodicea had, the, Laodicea had this aqueduct, so the hot water would come down, but it would have cooled on the way and therefore be of no therapeutic value and have a bad taste when drunk. So next slide, please. Jesus says, I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth, which is so totally unexpected. What? We are doing so well. We are rich and don't need a thing. And it is worth saying that God feels like this vomiting when people say they're Christians and yet they do appalling things like child abuse or any abuse of power, any of those dark things. Jesus is so, he has such a holy sense of justice and throughout the Bible speaks out against abuses and even things that we think are okay. But back to the Laodiceans, this is a revealing insight from Jesus for them. Being lukewarm is spoken directly to them because their water supplies were important. But Jesus wishes they were either hot or cold because both have their purposes. So hot water is for healing and therapy. So Rich and I have swum in these waters, which is like having a bath, and in some areas got bubbles in it. It's like a spa. Really nice. And I have to say today, I'm really happy to have some cold water to drink, just to keep me cool. So it's not a case of to be hot means to have passionate faith, and then to be cold is to have no faith, and then to be lukewarm is just not very enthusiastic, just somewhere in between. What Jesus is saying is that this church should have been distinctive, but they've just compromised with their culture. The church is meant to be healing and refreshing, but lukewarm isn't either. Just like the book of James tells us that our faith and our deeds should go together. These people, they think they're rich, but they aren't. They are spiritually poor. The culture of the city is in the church. The temperature of the church is from secular culture. So this is not prosperity gospel. You can see the dangers of success when we see wealth as a blessing from God, and then we get distracted by the gifts rather than the giver. Jesus says, you think you don't need me, but you do. So in verse 19, there's some plain speaking there, especially in the form of rebuke 
And that can be really hard to take, especially if you're not expecting it. Jesus says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. If you're a gardener, it's like pruning in order for there to be better fruit. I remember complaining to someone about the way another friend had acted because I was looking for a bit of, you know, affirmation. But my friend instead thought that maybe I hadn't acted in the kindest way. And I was, I was really taken aback by that. But I still remember that rebuke because it changed the way I saw the situation. And then I dealt with it in a better way. And then that restored the relationship, which I'm very glad that happened. Jesus doesn't condemn, but he urges them to be earnest and repent. And that means to change our ways. Do something different. Jesus counsels them to buy from him. Well, how do you buy from Jesus and what currency do you use? Well, Isaiah 55 says, come to me and buy without money, as if to say, I am the person who can provide all that you need. To unlock the treasures of heaven, you need to realize your need of God. So Jesus has the authority to open doors, but in verse 20, here, there is a closed door. Jesus waits to be invited in, even to a church that's so self-sufficient, it has squeezed Jesus out. But there's no condemnation but patience and kindness as he knocks and waits for us to let him in. If we have the next slide, please. So we have, um, we have an image of sharing a meal together, friendship, time together, talking, discussing, just being together. You know, it's an event, it's not a function. So Richard and I have just been cycling in France. And there, I mean, they're really not in a hurry. The meal is a time of bringing people together, different generations, family, friends, time to enjoy food and each other's company. I mean, we do that in England. I have to say the French food is so good. But this is communion with God. This is fellowship. Jesus cannot be outside the church. It's not Christianity without Christ. Jesus speaks with love, but he gives us agency. So we choose each day how to respond to him. So maybe we just have a little time now of reflection. Maybe you just want to sit quietly or close your eyes just to think about some things. What, what do we think the Spirit is saying to us as a church? Is there some encouragement or some challenge? Is there something we need to talk about together to share as a community of faith? Do we need to listen to one another? Are we striving to please the Lord or ourselves?
Is there something that the Spirit is saying to each one of us? Are there instances where we've gone our own way and been self-reliant? What have we been doing to show people God's love? To be witnesses to the fact that Jesus has opened the door of heaven and invited people in. There may be someone here who has never taken that step through this open door. And if so, please make yourself known to anyone after the service and we'd love to talk to you about that. But for us, let Jesus into our hearts. Pray through Jesus. Bring him into every small thing. Repentance means turning and changing habits in order to restore intimacy. What are we going to do to make Jesus the center? The person we go to to provide for all our needs. And as a church, does our worship, our mission, and all our activities, do they overflow from our communion with Jesus in order to produce lasting fruit? end with a prayer Lord thank you for your true word thank you that you alone have the authority to open the door of heaven to let us in help us to open the door of our hearts fully to you to your fellowship friendship and lordship your encouragement and challenge help us to repent of all that takes us away from you. With communion coming up, Jesus, we want to eat with you, to sit and eat with you. Help us to put you first in our hearts, to listen to your spirit, to learn your ways, that we might be well trained for our lives with you when you come again in glory. Amen.